Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. Welcome to the podcast, Father Michael O'Loughlin. Getting, getting comfy. Father Nathan Goble. What's up? Welcome to Lent, 2016. Yes. Blessed Lent, Father Nathan. Best yet. We'll see. Yeah. That's just how it should be. You've been a priest now for 10 years. Yeah. Do you find that your lens get more and more convoluted and not rote, yeah. but kind of, I do the same thing and then I try to switch it up one year. It's like, well, that didn't work. I'm going to try something else next year. And then you realize that didn't work either. Yeah. I have to very specifically find a theme or a goal at the beginning of it, or it would absolutely get that way. But I, like, just as a human, I detest Lent so much that I have to like really read a lot and immerse myself in the fact that this is supposed to be a joyful time and then find a joyful goal and say the joy will come because it would be so easy just to be a Pharisee and, you know, do everything that the scriptures and our Lord tell us not to do as a leader of a parish and just, you know, get frustrated with people when they're not doing anything and have doing absolutely nothing on my own. Yep especially when you're living alone and you kind of can do all these things in secret and you just have to really force yourself not to, you know, to live by the church teachings, by my own uh, demands from my spiritual father, et cetera, and to hold myself accountable and to tell you guys if I mess up. Yeah. Yeah. So do we have to manifest that now? Yeah, let's do it. What, are, what, what thing have you broken? I mean, if don't don't scandalize. I have anybody. no, no. I I have. What commandment have you broken? I have too readily accepted charity from people that is the breaking of my fast. So, in other oh. words, charity trumps piety. Yeah. And so, if if people like, I have my own pious practices, and if people will say, "Hey, have this," and I don't need to, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, I'm accepting charity." So, like the other right. day, and this is this sounds minor, but like I was at the at the diner and. So I was going by the letter of the law because the the muesli I have now that's no meat or dairy because like the only thing they have at the diner that's no meat or dairy. So the muesli I have was just like like oh my, it was like, like plaster. I mean, it, it needed something. And so I said, "Oh, do you have any non dairy milk like products?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, we have soy, we have almond milk." And then she's like, "Well, I actually have some whole milk right here already heated up because she was going to steam it for me." And I was like, "Yeah, that's fine." And nice. I was like, "I could not only not only." Again, it's not about that big of a difference, even in my experience of the muesli, but there was some a, a moment of witness that I could have had. And I just, I walked away. I was like, oh man, I could have been, it's still the letter of the law, but I could have explained it. Spirit of the law was probably gone anyway. I could have eaten the plaster, you know, yeah. <laughs> it was going to sustain me the same, you know, and they could have looked at me and gone like, why the heck are you eating that? It looks horrible. But it's like, hey, I'm doing it because I'm supposed to eat things that taste horrible right. because we're not in a time of luxury right now. We're in a time of anticipation. So Ouch. yes, so it was that that was the minor one. I'm sure there's something deeper, but I don't want to scandalize, like you said. I'm wondering if anybody out there in Listerland, which I'm thinking about calling them like Double L or something, <laughs> Double L, Double Ls instead of Listerland. But if they are grossed out by the term muesli, that just doesn't sound appetizing. <laughs> it's it's not appetizing actually, but it's 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 one of those things where it's sustaining and. Like when we were in when we were in Switzerland, uh, Father Father John, myself, Becca, who's the mixer on our podcast, um, she 
Uh, I think Father Mike was there by then, too, because it was in Engelberg. Uh, they had the stuff that seriously looked like cat vomit. It was, like, gray and, like, you know, kind of half chopped up. Yeah. And just looked like a cat had just been, like, yeah, yeah, like, onto this platter. But it was so good. Yeah. It was so, like, happily and... Yeah, yeah, and and, th- and they this, called it muesli. This is good, but you're right. Even the word kind of plops out of your mouth. <laughs> muesli, <laughs> muesli. All right, true, true confessions. <laughs> this is my confession. Dun, 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 dun. So, um, how have you screwed up, Father Nathan? I don't, so far. Okay, let's get to the topic. <laughs> so, uh, one of my <laughs> this is this is actually kind of funny because um, you're you're kind of involved in this. Okay. Um, so one of the things that I'm doing is I'm not, I don't have my computer. Uh, I don't want to use my computer in the evenings. Oh, okay. I use my phone. I like that. But I don't want to use my computer in the evenings because most of the time it's like, oh, what's the latest WIMP video? And uh, I should check and see if like the Cardinals finally signed somebody that is of note. And uh, just going through all these things. But then the other thing is, you know, I have certain shows that I'm uh, uh, following and or addicted to. And what I asked, I had two guests in my house, Father Tom from Chicago nice. and Father Stephen from uh, Monterey, California. Okay. And I asked both of them, I was like, could you change the password on my computer um, so that I don't, I don't know it? Because I know that I will go to it. Yeah. And I will say, oh, you know, like, why not, you know? And neither of them did it. And I'm not blaming them because they're kind of like, do you have any self-restraint? And I'm like, no, I don't. Okay. So anyways, so then uh, I was like, interesting. Um, I think a little birdie told me that February 14th, Walking Dead came back on. And today just happens to be, you know, like near February 14th. I did not watch it. I did not watch it on, you know, February 14th. But I was like, you know, I'll just, you know. Just check out, see what's going on. So then I look to see on my computer, is it changed? I tried, you know, my password. I almost said it out loud. That's really <laughs> funny. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, it comes up. And then I was like, all right, I'm just going to watch Walking Dead. Holy cow. Like, it was like a shot of, of uh, Red Bull at way too late of night. Oh. Because it was an intense episode. Hmm. Some people got what they deserved. That's all I'm saying. Some people got <laughs> Spoiler what <alert. laughs> was coming to them. And it was freaking sweet. Mm. Anyways, so um, so I've already fallen. I've already fallen. And um, Ash Wednesday was, you know, however many days ago. So before you leave, Father Michael is going to change my password all to right. Muesli. All right. And, <laughs> so, but here's the deal. You can't change it to something I will know. I got to look up how to spell that, though. M U E S L I X. I'll muesli. misspell muesli. Yeah, so the, you'll sit there m- trying all the different mucus licks. <laughs> um, you can't change it to anything that I would know. Like okay. this has to be like unbreakable. Okay. Or at least something. You know, Wait, am I doing your computer or your Wi-Fi? Computer. Your computer. Okay. Oh, there's a good idea. Wait, but if I do your computer, no, you can't do. So one. you're never going to use your computer the entire Lent? I don't. I will only use my computer at the office. Ah, okay. Now here's the here's the thing, okay? Here's the little you know bonus bonus cookie that I set out in front of the brother ass, okay, right? Right. I can't watch my show. I just can't. I can't yeah. do it in the house. Yeah. I am allowed to watch a show if I'm at the gym on like the stairmaster elliptical right. treadmill. Okay. How many times have I been to the gym? 
<laughs> zero, zero, zero. This zero, might get zero, you to the gym. Zero, 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 zero. Yep, none. Either that, or you're going to sit in the office and watch Walking, watch that, Walking okay, Dead. Okay, you know what? Just stay out of my life. Okay, <laughs> I didn't say anything to you about the whole milk. You know. All right, all right. So yeah, the uh, so you, you're going to have to do that because I know. Next week, there's going to be a brand new episode. And it's going to be so great. Like, when Easter rolls around, yeah. I'm going to be so jacked. Yeah. You can go on a bender of oh, Walking Dead. It might be after the Easter Vigil. Okay. There might be a Walking Dead, like, which, <laughs> is, no which is kind of strange. Like, you know, Walking Dead post-resurrection, but, you know, right. you get the point. Oh. So, to all you people out there, you know, get back on the horse. Find a friend. Hold yourself accountable. Um, and uh, check out Bananas and Cupcakes. It's one of our Lenten podcasts. Nice. All right. All right. Uh, to the topic. To the topic. All right. So I want to talk about, very appropriate for the Lenten season, what we call the Great Fast in the East, is the Venerable Mary of Egypt. Um, mm. Probably my favorite saint, second to the other Mary. But wow. a, an absolutely amazing woman, amazing story. Um, so we celebrate her on the day she died on April 1st. Um, but also we in the Byzantine church always commemorate her on the fifth Sunday of the great fast. So the, the Sunday before Palm and flowery Sunday, that's also dedicated to her, um, because she was such a, a beacon of joy and hope and repentance during the Lenten season. So we're kind of calling upon her at the end, right before that final push. <laughs> what did I say? You're laughing. <laughs> Are you laughing at yeah, me or with just, me? I just thought, do you, I just thought it was funny, the Palm Flowery Sunday. Yeah, well, we don't have any palm trees in, in Ukraine. When's, when's Strawberry Shortcake Sunday? <laughs> That's what's going through my mind. Sorry. So we, we, use, we use pussy willows instead of palms because there, no, there were no palms. There were no palms, so we had to use what we had. And so pussy willows are, are, look like victory, like palms look like victory in the Middle East. Got it. Okay. Got it. Speaking of the Middle East, back to St. Mary of Egypt. Yes. So, St. Mary of Egypt. All right. I'm All right. So, we, we come right here on those days. So, Mary of Egypt was a 6th century young woman in Egypt, in Alexandria, and she grew up there, and people would call her a prostitute, but she wasn't a prostitute. She was a sex addict. So, she hmm. she would she would sleep with different guys every day and and the whole point for that was she never took money from them ever because the whole point was like literally she just wanted to wallow in debauchery yeah. she wanted so she would she would want to lead up she would want to lead young men astray she would just she found immense joy in this and so this this her story was written by uh Ralum, the uh that's her censor the patriarch yeah <laughs> yeah I'm gonna say things and, and let the let the loon too hot out, too hot out. for TV. Yeah, right. It, it gets that way. And actually, if, if when you read her story, I encourage all of you to read her story. You, you understand. If you're like, 13, yes, be careful. And with your parents' permission, ask your parents first. <laughs> it is PG 13. Um, but it's written in the in this sixth century. I mean, this is ancient, ancient. But Mary herself, in in her retelling of her own story, she's very careful to like put even pauses in there, saying like, you know, I don't. You, this is so horrible i did so many horrible things that uh, please don't make me go on and and zosimo would let me like no this is incredibly inspiring please do go on so um this was written by the patriarch sophronius who was the patriarch of jerusalem 
in the at the turn of the sixth century. So when he wrote the story, please look it up again. It's the the life of Mary of Egypt by a Saint Sophronius, the Patriarch of Jerusalem. Um, and it, the story, you should read it for yourself. But I'll, I'll, pretty much the whole point of this podcast is to inspire you to read the story, and it won't take that long. But she was a sex addict um, who who again just was leading men to debauchery. She lived in Alexandria. Whenever she saw a group of young men, she'd always go follow them, and this was like the point. So she'd she'd run after them, and so she found in early September on September 14th, we commemorate the exaltation of the precious and life giving cross. And uh, back then in the sixth century, this would happen. You know, now we have relics of the cross everywhere, but back then it was just in, in the Holy Sepulcher in the church of where built over this place where Christ died and rose and where the cross was found. So on September 14th, the patriarch of, of Jerusalem would go and he'd take the cross. He'd exalt it. He'd hold it up. People would be singing. People would come up and venerate it. So all these men were going from Egypt to Jerusalem. And so she saw this just mass of humanity walking towards the boats to make this journey to Jerusalem. And so, you know, she followed along and pretty much she had nothing, nothing, no money. Because as she would say, she this is what she spent her time doing was living in debauchery. And so what she would do then for money is either beg or to spin flax into linen. So she even had like this small job, but usually she was a beggar, but she would not take any money for the giving of her body at all. But she did, you know, she took this passage, she went to Jerusalem, not quite understanding what they were going for, but just wanting to be wherever the excitement was, wherever the party was going. So they were all going to Jerusalem, exaltation of the cross. She goes there. When she gets to Jerusalem, she continues living this life for just a couple of days until the feast. When the feast comes along, everybody's pouring into the church of the Holy Sepulchre. When they're pouring in there, she gets to the front and she cannot get in. Some unseen force is blocking her from walking into the doors of, of the Holy Sepulchre. Um, it's kind of funny. The first she says, I first thought it was just my womanly weakness that was kind of keeping me from elbowing my way in since there were so many people. But then she kind of waited. Everybody went inside and she still couldn't go inside. So she she fell down kind of confused and distraught. And there was an icon of the Theotokos, the mother of God, Mary, above the doors. And she all of a sudden had this realization that that it was her own life that was keeping her from understanding what the cross was, understanding why Christ died, etc. She was she was distracting herself um, from this reality, and therefore our Lord wasn't letting her venerate the cross because that and that it would have been fake. So anyway, she sits out there. She decides to cry out in repentance to Christ through the mother of God, whose icon is there. And as she cries out, she, she understands I need to repent in order to go and venerate the cross. And this was a, a major point of conversion for her um, metanoia in Greek. You know, she decided that it, whatever it took, she was going to turn her life around. And so she went back, she was able to walk in, she venerated the cross, came back out again, and then she went back to the icon and heard a voice say, across the Jordan and in the deserts, in other words, on the other side of the Jordan from Jerusalem, here you will find the life that you are called to lead in order to live a life of repentance, in order to grow closer to me and understand what the gift of the cross was. Hmm. Didn't she also like want to go on this pilgrimage just to lead some of the Christians astray. Yep. Like she was, she deliberately went not just to wallow in her own sinfulness, but like, I'm going to show that these guys are actually hypocrites. Yeah, absolutely. And, and she, she, that, that was where she, she got a lot of joy out of leading young men astray. And, and she's, of course, when, when she's telling this story and I'll get to who she tells the story to in a moment, but while she's telling this, telling the story, she, she is incredibly ashamed of all of this, but, but, she sees it as I'm just explaining how sinful I was and as she would say still am, but 
of course, Zosima, the priest who's hearing these words, is absolutely inspired by her repentance that came from such an immense life. So she's talking about how many people she's led astray, but she always the, – the immensity of her sin then manifests the immensity of Christ's mercy. And she knows this. She knows this very well. Um, so she, she crosses the Jordan. And she lives, she lives there for nearly 50 years, just, just literally walking, eating what she can. The story goes into kind of the details of, of the food she ate, the very little she ate. Well, there's this, there's this priest. He's a monk. Zosima was his name. He lived in a – pretty much was raised in a monastery. And so he, he lived a life of penance, lived a life of a monk growing up into adulthood. And as the story goes, at one time he felt tempted to call himself perfect. He was looking around at his brother monks. He was looking at himself and going, I'm living the perfect Christian life. And pretty much our Lord came to him and said, first of all, no man is perfect. Um, And second of all, there are others that are living a better life than you, and you need to meet these people to be inspired by them. And it was kind of funny, and you'll you'll know who said this, but in the the movie Lord of the Rings, when when Jesus – well, in the movie – Keep that in mind. Jesus goes to Zosima and says, no man is perfect, but there are some who are living more than you. And I can almost imagine Mary of Egypt saying, I am no man. I am no man. What's the reference in Lord of the Rings? You know that better than I do. It's Eowyn. It's Eowyn. Okay. It's Eowyn. So she says. Classic feminist. (laughs) So so it's it's kind of the same thing. He he thinks, he's tempted to think he's perfect. Just so so people don't think that I, you know, I'm a misogynist. Right. I mean, I got to cover my tracks. Um in Lord of the Rings, again, he's not making a perfect uh, allegory, you know, to uh, Mary. But Mary is the one that crushes the head of the serpent. Mm. You will crush his head, nice, and he will strike at your heel. And she is the one who, by their pride, like the the ring wraith's pride, he goes at her and says, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, torment you and kill you." And she says, actually, you can't, because I can't be killed by any man. And she says, I'm not a man. Mm. Bam. Yeah. Amen. So I, I, that, that came to mind as I was reading this. Like, no, no man is, is perfect, but there are some greater than you. Um, God was obviously bringing humility. Now, Zosima never said this out loud. It, the story is very eloquent about saying he said this in his head. And that was with a temptation for him. He never actually sinned, but there was a temptation to think he was perfect. Um, so what he does is our Lord leads him to this monastery that's on the banks of the, or near the banks of the Jordan. And in this monastery, he meets other monks who are living a life better than he did. He is more, more monastic. And so they have this tradition, which I think is beautiful that after forgiveness Sunday, so, um, Lent for us begins on a Monday Mm -hmm. forgiveness Vespers. You pray on Sunday evening. That's why I mentioned that in the forgiveness podcast, you go out embracing each other, asking for forgiveness. As soon as that happens in this monastery, the monks then leave the monastery, cross the Jordan, and spend the entire 40 days of the fast until Palm and Flowery Sunday, spend that time in the fast, pretty much living the life of asceticism. And one of the, the rules is that when you come back from this 40-day adventure where you cannot spend time with any of the other monks, you have to be completely on your own, relying upon God for everything. When you come back from that 40-day adventure, you cannot talk about it. Because it says in the scriptures, when you pray, when you fast, when you give alms, mm. do it in secret. So all these guys are going out having these amazing ascetical adventures in the desert, and they cannot share it. So pretty much they have to share it, of course, because we're human. We need, to, we need to vent. We need to talk about it. But they only could do that with Christ. It was, this, it was really an amazing experience of celibacy for them. Like they have all these things that they just want to talk about and to share and to brag about, but they can only go to Christ. And so this is what happens to Zosima. He walks 20 days straight into the desert 
and when he gets there, he he sees Mary of Egypt. He sees this this figure he, who he actually first thinks is the devil because it's it's skinny. It's the the skin is completely burnt by the sun, and yet the the hair is is completely white. And he sees, and then as he approaches this person, realizing this is actually a holy person rather than the devil, um, he thinks it's a man. And so when he approaches her, she first says to him don't don't look at me i'm naked throw me your cloak and so he does as soon as he throws her his cloak she clothes himself in her cloak and then turns around and they both fall to each other's feet so he realizes how holy she is so he falls in at at her feet she realizes that he's a priest because she has this knowledge from god that she knows his name without him telling her and she knows he's a priest so they both fall at each other's feet begging for a blessing and and the story is hilarious because they're both just all they say is bless me bless me bless me like having this fight so finally she says look god gave you the grace of ordination like like, like you have to bless me you have to be the one because god gave you this grace and he goes back and says it's not about the grace of the priesthood it's about the holiness of life so you have to give me a blessing and they're fighting over who's going to give a blessing first anyway he ends up winning out and she gives him a blessing first um so then they stand up and then they then zosima begs this story out of her and so as she's telling him the story uh, you know she doesn't like telling it because it's such a reveals so many horrible things about her but as she's telling the story she reveals that not only was she a sex addict but she was an alcoholic i mean pretty much all these things piled into one person these horrible things and and oftentimes we hear the you know conversion stories of saints you might hear her story and say oh she talked to an icon of the theotokos she venerated the cross and then she was holy for the rest of her life and she reveals the exact opposite to be true she says so the first 17 years of her journey in in the uh across the jordan she would daily be tempted to go back. She would daily be tempted to go back to the debauchery, to drinking, to do to all of these things. And so I want to read just real quick the one paragraph that where she explains this, because I, I think it's a great paragraph for anybody who has any addictions, anybody who has any struggles, because this is it it doesn't pull any punches, but but it's absolutely a, a paragraph about hope. So here it is. One could not hear separate words so that Zalsama could not understand anything that she said in her prayers. Meanwhile, he stood. Am I looking this correctly? Okay, yes. So in other words, he sees her praying for, he asked, he asked her to pray for him and then she automatically just turns around and starts praying. Um, meanwhile, he stood according to his own word in all in a flutter, looking at the ground. He was embarrassed without saying a word. And she, he swore calling God to witness that when at length he thought that her prayer was very long, he took his eyes off the ground and saw that she was raised about a four arms distance from the ground and stood praying in the air. She was levitating. When he saw this, even greater terror seized him, and he fell on the ground, weeping and repeating many times, Lord, have mercy. And while lying prostrate on the ground, he was tempted by a thought. Is this not a spirit? And perhaps her prayer is hypocrisy. Um, that's actually not the paragraph I was looking for. Um, I'm going to turn that real quick. That was a paragraph that, that was a beautiful explanation of the ongoing temptations of the devil. So like the, you, you'll see this throughout the story. The devil just never gives up. Christ never gives up. The devil never gives up either. So Zosima keeps on having these doubts going from like, this is an amazing holy woman to this is a spirit. This is an evil spirit. And these doubts yeah. never leave him. And obviously the devil's at work there. So this is her testimony. She said to Zosima, 
Believe me, Abba, 17 years I passed in the desert fighting wild beasts, mad desires, and passions. When I was about to partake of food, I used to begin to regret the meat and fish which I had so much of when I was in Egypt. I regretted also not having wine, which I loved so much, for I drank a lot of wine when I lived in the world. While here, I didn't even have water. I used to burn and succumb with thirst. The mad desire for degenerate songs also entered me and confused me greatly edging me on to sing satanic songs which I had learned once. But when such desires entered me, I struck myself on the breast and reminded myself of the vow which I had made when going in the desert. In my thoughts, I returned to the icon of the Mother of God, which had received me and to hear, and to her I cried in prayer. I implored her to chase away the thoughts to which my miserable soul was succumbing, and after weeping for long and beating my breast, I used to see light at last, which seemed to shine on me from everywhere, and after the violent storm, lasting calm descended. Then she goes on even after that, where she says, A fire was kindled in my miserable heart, which seemed to burn me completely and to awaken me a thirst for embraces. It was like this... It, she did. She was not able to. The temptations just weren't gone. They they were they were yeah. still present, but she was living a life able to to handle these temptations. And so it's it's it really is an amazing story for those who who are trying to find healing from addictions, trying to find healing. I mean, we all have those from any sort of vices that she went so out of her way to fight these through the intercession of the mother of God and through the power of God and able and was able in the end to find so much peace and holiness that it, as it says, she would literally bless the Jordan water and just walk across it. She was ever, she was so Christ-like that he walked on water. So she would walk on the water. Um, she, she was so Christ-like she could eat very little and, and she would levitate off the ground. I mean, all these things that were manifestations to Zosima that she had immense holiness about her, but she, yet she was constantly living a life of repentance as well. Yeah. Two thoughts on that. The um I I made the mistake of uh clicking on some of I don't even know if I want to say her name. I feel bad. It's not I'm not trying to like defame her, but I mean it's out there. So uh Amy Schumer, do you know Amy yeah, Schumer? Comedian. And like like some of her stuff, you know, it's it's pretty good, you know, but then there's just like this violent, horrid like flow of of uh just dirt that comes out of her mouth that i'm like you have no shame yeah and like we talk about shameless you know as kind of like being a virtue you know i don't know if it's the garth brooks song or something like that and um and we've done a podcast on shame before but shame is actually good like there's certain things that shouldn't come out of our mouth like we shouldn't shouldn't feel like you know by saying them like we're becoming more of more manly or more kind of i don't know aggressive or something like that and it was it was actually really sad because it was just like you're and comedians do this i mean it's not just amy schumer god bless her um there's other comedians that will do this and it really just you know they're dealing with their own issues but it's like totally evident like wow there's a real fixation here you know and even kind of a uh preoccupation that you know Perhaps Saint Mary of Egypt, you know, would understand and right. and could be able to kind of exhort, you know, and intercede for. So a lot of people that we know that that deal with, you know, not just addictions, specifically sexual addictions, but like um, the pleasure that comes from our sin that can keep us bound, you know, for a long, long time. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and uh, and that. Then the other thing is, I had a friend of mine once 
Um, and I was kind of lamenting, like, you know, well, I went in, you know, very shortly after after seminary, or after college, and, you know, I didn't really do all, all these things. And um, even, like, some of the, you know, sinful things that people talk about, I'm just like, I'm, I'm sorry, I just really don't understand what you're mm-hmm. talking about. And, and he said, um, I regret, I regret the things that I've done because I can't um, forget them. Hmm. And even my body can't forget them. Yeah. And even my heart and its, attack, its attractions and uh, affinities yeah. can't forget them either. So it's kind of like, you know, some people will say, well, some people have a story like, you know, Mary of Magdala. Some people have a story like, you know, Our Lady, you know, or St. John. And which one's better? And it's like, in fact, um, there is a way in which one carries with it a much greater burden. Yeah. And you have to overcome a lot, you know, and um, which I think is is beautiful that she's able to reflect on it in a way like with the right amount of shame, uh, but also not like, you know, glorying in it. Because like, yeah, you know, John and I have uh, talked about, you know, the, the person that comes not just in the confessional, but like somebody comes to you and just says, oh, father, like, um, you know, this is what I did last night. But there's no shame in it. Right. They're they're just telling you all the amazing, you know, sinful things that they did, and it's like you don't you're not sorry. Yeah. So yeah, and I, I think that that's the good balance when it shows the dialogue between Mary of Egypt and Zosima. Like there's a there's very much a she is telling your story because he wants to hear it because he wants to be inspired by it, and so she's saying this is hard to tell yeah. and, and I, I don't want pretty much she spent her whole life before she went to the desert leading others to debauchery through, as it said, satanic songs, embraces all these things. And now all of a sudden she sees a man and she's making sure that she's not leading him into debauchery, but he's saying, no, no, I, I I'm pure enough in a sense that I can hear these things and be inspired by them rather than leading me to debauchery. The same story could lead some people into absolute debauchery and, and despair. And to him, it's actually leading him closer to Christ. You know, this is kind of why we want to be virtuous people. We know you can, like you hear the stories about some saints, you know, they, they, this bishop would gaze upon a, uh, a, a prostitute and as the other bishops would have to look away because they'd be tempted and he would look at her and, and would see a beautiful, you know, human body whom he loved and desired to spend eternity in heaven with, you know? Yeah. And, and so it's really virtue allows us to see the world differently. And if we're living a life of vice, we can see the exact same world, experience the exact same things. And yet, be drawn away from Christ by the same experiences would draw another closer to him. It, it, and it really does have to do with, with what she sees here as she's now become a, a very virtuous, holy Christ-like person. He is getting there because his, his struggle with thinking he was perfect was actually extremely debilitating. And now he sees someone that is able to, he that is able to live a, a very attractive life of repentance. Now he wants, instead of living a life of perfection, you got to live a life of repentance because that leads to true perfection rather than the false perfection that we think we have if we if we consider ourselves perfect. Hmm. So there's this great learning experience of him. So two two things to finish up the story. Um, uh, so she he, he she asks him because she's been so long without the Holy Eucharist. She asks him the next Lent to stay in the monastery the whole time and then to come and to bring her the Eucharist on Holy Thursday. So then the day that the apostles receive the Eucharist. So he actually gets sick, so he can't leave until Holy Thursday. He gets up, 
brings walks to the Jordan River where she is. She blesses the river, crosses over, receives the Eucharist, then asks him to come back and to meet her at the same spot where she initially met him. So the next Lent, he does that. He crosses over. He goes to the spot and he finds her dead. And she had died and been transported the exact day that she the day after she received the Eucharist. She had she'd been transported to the spot where he first found her and she died there. What she died though, she her arms are crossed her arms were crossed across her chest, which is the kind of the Byzantine Oron's position, the position of prayer, mm-hmm. and her face was turned east, where the, to the rising of the sun. This is uh, Macrina, Mother Macrina died the same way. There's a, it pretty much shows even at the moment of death, they were anticipating the coming of Christ, because just like the sun rises in the east, so yeah. will Christ rise again. That's why our church is face east, etc. So there was this very much, even in the moment of her death, she was anticipating the coming of Christ, and the beauty of looking east when she died. Um, what happens then is Zosima gets there, and um, there was a, a like written in the sand. It said, "Zosima, please bury me here." But he had no way of it, like there, he had no tools to bury her, and it was the hard desert. So I love this part of the story because it's like he sees very explicitly what he needs to do, but he doesn't know how to do it. He can't dig in the sand with his fingers. It just it's too hard. He doesn't have a spade, and so he almost you can sense from the story that he begins to despair. Crisis, and she has. And Christ has asked me to do something that I cannot do. It is it is impossible for me. And so there's this like paradox of joy with my my vocation being very explicit, and yet I look at myself, I don't have the tools to fulfill the vocation that Christ has called me to. I don't have the ability to do it. So as the story goes, he says a prayer. He does exactly what he should do. He turns to Christ and says, I can't do this. This is what you've asked me to do is, is absolutely physically impossible. And in this prayer, all of a sudden he looks up and he sees a lion. And, and the lion comes over and he asks the lion, please dig a grave for this woman. It's the will of God. And the lion digs a grave for Mary of Egypt. And he, he's able to then bury her. And it's like, it's this moment of, of grace from our Lord that it's not, I've asked you to do something that you cannot do alone. In other words, I'm going to involve someone else, or in this case, something else in the carrying out of your vocation of my will. Hmm. And so this lion digs the grave and he buries her in it. And then he goes back. And then Mary had asked him not to tell her story until she was dead. And so he goes back to the monastery, he tells the story. They pass the story down orally from monk to monk to monk until about probably 50 to 100 years later, then this patriarch heard the story, wrote it down, and that's how it comes down to us today. Hmm. Yeah. So look it up. Uh, the, the patriarch. Sophronius of Jerusalem and his story of the Venerable Mary of Egypt. With your parents' permission. With your parents' permission. She, the, the language is, I mean, this is obviously a translation, but the, the language is, I don't think it would be bad. Obviously, kids would want would ask what debauchery means and things like that, but right. there, there's no there's no language that if a kid read it, they would be like, oh my gosh, this is, we know what the bad kids say in school. Right. So, yeah. All right. Be inspired. St. Mary of Egypt is in one of the icons that uh, was put into our spirituality or chapel, the Mm. encounter with her and Zosima. Yeah, you often see – there's a couple different icons of her. One of of them shows her like half-dressed. She has sometimes like one breast exposed just because she's in the desert. Other times she'll like have a a hand blessing (laughs) kind of covering herself. Um, and then the other icon will show her receiving the Eucharist from Zosima standing by the Jordan River. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, They're both – I'd really like one day to either build a church or a monastery named after her. Wow. It's just it's such an amazing story to me of of a horrible life lived, the idea of repentance, and then the fact the reality that repentance doesn't we don't we're not we don't like lose the temptations right away. She struggled for years and years and years with the temptations, but she just put herself in a position where she wasn't going to fall into them. 
namely living out in the desert where she couldn't, you know, find wine and she couldn't find guys and all these other things. She, you know, put herself in a place where, where it would be easier. That's monastic life where, where it's, it's yeah. easier to live the holy life, even in the midst of these temptations. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Good. St. Mary of Egypt. St. Pray Zosmos. for us. Pray for us. Pray for us. All here right. We, here we go. All right. Shout outs. Go ahead and go first. Speaking of the saints and sensual delights, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of an awkward, <laughs> I was gonna say an awkward transition. I don't really want to say somebody's name now. <laughs> no, the uh, we got a special shipment in of sensual delights from the Eubank family from Louisiana. They sent us a bunch of Zaps potato chips, yes. which said like the I, th- I saw the looked at the flavors. It was like crazy crawdad and gator taters, and I was like, dude, they got crawdad flavored potatoes. But they're not. They're just spicy. And then the other one, gator ones, I was like, they must be like, you know, gator flavored. They're dill. Okay. (laughs) Like gator taters. But I like the name. So thank you, Eubanks. Uh, Don't worry. uh, Father Michael did get a few. Um, There was like, I think like 30 packages. And you left me what? I left you four. (laughs) God bless you. I gave some to my my parish staff. They're from Louisiana. Oh, okay. So they got really excited. So, um, and then... The other one is to um, my brother's friends who are uh, parishioners with him. They gave me a Christmas gift, which goes along with St. Mary of Egypt, uh, Drinking with the Saints from Dr. Andy and Megan Kleesner. Uh, thank you for my book. Have you seen this book? No. It's the one where, like, uh, kind of like um, the Bad Catholic's Guide to Good Living. Yeah. It's got, like, all these different recipes for actual cocktails. Nice. So I'll... I'll look, and before we do the next podcast, I'll look to see if there's one for St. Mary of Egypt. Yeah, and uh, after Easter, we'll be back to drinking again. So we yeah, because right now we're just rocking constant common yeah. herbal tea. <laughs> Yawner. Sipping on our tea. <laughs> All right, uh, quick email shout-outs. Uh, Matthew Sewell requests a shout-out to his beautiful wife, Corey, and their good friends, Paige and Lewis Cutter, who recently moved to Denver. So we will meet them. Welcome. Welcome to Denver. All right. Uh, Bill Norton Jr. requests a shout-out to his fiance Brandy. Congratulations, Santa you guys. Brandy. Prepare You're well. A fine girl. What a good wife you would be. <laughs> All Such right. a fine wife. That makes sense because it's his fiance. It is. Yeah, that's that's very fitting. She probably hates that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, probably heard it before. I'll sing I'll sing some brandy next time. There we go. Do you remember brandy? And we'll drink brandy next time. Go on. Yeah, Do you know brandy? Like from the from like the nineties two thousand oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah there you go. I do she sang that song wasn't that the the boy is mine she sang with somebody else yeah I can't remember Good who else job. it was though but yeah that boy is mine I went to a bare naked ladies concert and they as a joke they claimed to have written the Saint song Saint Mary of Egypt <laughs> yeah. perfect there we go bare naked ladies yeah they there claimed we go. to write what. Well, they claimed to uh, have written that song. They were, of course, joking, so they sang it as a as a joke. It was that was one of the best concerts I've been to. So, man, we, we got to open with that. It's gonna be the song, the theme song for this podcast now. Bear, uh, someday, can bare naked ladies. Naughty, naughty. <laughs> All right, not during Lent. No, good call. All right, a shout out to Heap Win from Jeff D'Angelo. Heap is probably the most humble and, and self-giving person I've ever met. He introduced me to the Catholic stuff on a road trip past this past summer. So I'm probably pronouncing the name wrong. H-I-E-P win. All right. And finally, one more. A shout out to Katie Brizick, who is doing missionary work in the freezing northern lands from Philip Gilbert, a seminary at St. Joseph at Ukrainian Catholic Church Seminary in D.C. 
Shout out, Byzantine shout Ayo. out. So yeah, shout out to Katie and uh, to Philip from me as well. God bless you. I've been there, been that seminary. It's a great place. And uh, keep up the good work, discern well, persevere, all that. All that's right. right. That's all I have. Happy Lent, folks. Happy Lent. Blessed Lent. Stay the course. A thousand points of light. Block box. <laughs> Anything else? Catholic stuff you should know at nope Catholic stuff podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Check it out. Rate us on iTunes. We got a pretty bad one the other day. Oops. We need we need a lot of five stars to keep going. See ya. Bless you. <laughs>